Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Texas Ag Today as we kick off the week here on Monday, September 28th of 2020. I'm your host, Carrie Martin, standing by with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're ready to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas farmer reappointed to Sorghum Checkoff Board. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story and more on this year's sorghum crop on Texas Ag Today. September rains have greatly improved the soil moisture reserve across the lower coastal bend area. This is Harvey Beering reporting from the Corpus Christi area. Where do the presidential candidates stand on agricultural issues? I'm Gary Joyner and I'll tell you how to find out coming up on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories coming up along with the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete wrap-up of today's markets. All of that coming up later in the podcast, but first, here's a look at news headlines. Texas wheat growers can participate in the second round of the coronavirus food assistance program. Both hard and soft red winter wheat were not included in the first round of that program. Whenever the first iteration of this coronavirus food assistance program came out, it was quite the disappointment that most of our wheat producers here in the state were left out of that program. That's Steely Fishbacher. She's director of policy for the Texas Wheat Producers Association. After several months of back and forth with U.S. USDA providing them additional data on what our price situation was for wheat, as well as working very closely uh, with some of our congressional delegation here in Texas. We had one of our senators and several uh, members of Congress reach out to USDA to advocate for the inclusion of all classes of wheat. Uh, We were very pleased to see that included. So what will the payment rate look like for wheat producers, Steely? Well, our payment rate is 54 cents per bushel, and that's uh, with the 73% crop marketing percentage. So kind of the shortcut figure that we're telling our farmers to to figure on is 39 cents per bushel. Uh, Whenever we look at kind of how that calculates out, uh, a big part, especially of our dry land wheat producers, will be receiving that minimum payment of $15 per acre. Um, As you move on up and increase your yields, there is opportunity to move into that full calculation and get above that 15. But we think for statewide uh, statewide yield here in Texas for hard and winter is usually about 30 bushels per acre. That's averaged across the state. And in that scenario, uh, you would be receiving that $15 per acre. And Fishbacher says the help could not have come at a better time for Texas wheat growers. That's right. And so whenever we start looking at um, the price impact that we've seen for wheat, uh, whenever we heard that first announcement of the program, I mentioned we were excluded. That is because we did not meet the 5% loss threshold uh, for the time frame that USDA was looking at. So uh, while we are very appreciative to be in the program now, um, fortunately, that does mean we met that 5% threshold and that we actually exceeded it. So uh, that's kind of the other side of the story is that the reason we are included in this program is because we have seen significant loss um, in the futures prices and the cash prices that our farmers are receiving. So as you mentioned, a very difficult 2020, um, our crop insurance uh, prices for the 2020 crop year were very low compared to previous 
previous years. And so we even didn't have that revenue assurance that we've seen previously in the crop insurance program. And then as well as several years of just below cost of production wheat prices. Uh, When we look back at where our marketing year average price is, uh, it's been uh, below our reference price for wheat, which is 550, it's been below that level for at least five years in a row now. So it's not just one year of price impact, but uh, we did see that uh, additional downward pressure for wheat prices during this coronavirus pandemic. And that's why we are now eligible for the program. Staley Fishmacher, Director of Policy for the Texas Wheat Producers Association. A Texas farmer has been reappointed to the United Sorghum Checkoff Board. Tom Nicoletti has more. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has announced the appointment of five members to serve on the United Sorghum Checkoff Program Board. All five appointees will serve three-year terms starting December 2020 and ending December 2023. The sorghum farmers appointed to the board are from Nebraska, Missouri, Colorado, Kansas, and a reappointment of a Texas farmer, Charles Huddleston, from Salina in Collin County in North Texas in the Dallas-Fort Worth metro area. And Charles, uh, congratulations on your reappointment. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate it. Why is it important for you to serve on this checkoff board for United Sorghum? Tom, sorghum's always been a big part of our farming operation. To tell you the truth, it was my first crop as an eight-year-old. My dad gave me three acres and I planted grain sorghum on it for a 4-H project. So uh, it's just been important for our crop rotation for a number of years. Our field of responsibility, if I'm able to serve, to try to better agriculture in any way I can. Now, the 13-member United Sorghum Checkoff Program Board is composed of nine sorghum farmers who represent three states with the largest sorghum production, that being uh, Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas. So certainly your presence on the board is a position in which you can uh, certainly promote sorghum nationwide. It is, and I have the opportunity to serve with two other Texans on that board, Jim Massey from Robstown and Josh Birdwell from Hillsboro. Now, what about this year's sorghum crop? You are about halfway done with your uh, harvest. What's the harvest look like and what's your projections? It's been a mixed bag, a wet spring, had the uh, planting delayed, and I'm about half through with harvest. Have my corn harvested and about half of my milo harvested. Where we're harvesting now, we had to wait on rain to plant it. Now we've got in this unusually cool and wet late summer and it's delayed harvest. Well, we're cutting another sample right now to see if we can continue with sorghum harvest and knock this stuff out. Yields, a little disappointing in places. I thought we would have some milo that, you know, making a five and six thousand pound range. I've had a little bit make five, but I think we're probably going to average around 42 to 4,500 pounds per acre. Back to the promotion of sorghum as a board member. What's the key message you would like to get out to consumers out there, to the public in Texas, and even for that matter, uh, the American public about sorghum and why it is vital to American agriculture? Well, in arid areas like we are, and especially in Texas and the Southwest, it can work well since it doesn't require as much uh, moisture as, as corn. It's a good quality grain. I think it works well uh, as a mixture in the feed rations. But one thing that sorghum, the sorghum checkoff is doing is promoting uses for sorghum that brings a higher value to the producer. That again is Charles Huddleston. He is a sorghum producer in North Texas, and he also serves as a member on the United Sorghum Program Checkoff Board. Since 1966, the U.S. Congress has authorized the development of industry-funded research and promotion boards to provide a framework for agricultural industries to pool their resources and combine efforts to develop new markets, strengthen existing markets, and conduct important research and promotion activities. 
I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. September rains have greatly improved the soil moisture reserve across the lower coastal bend of Texas. Harvey Buring reports from Corpus Christi. As September ended, well, farmers in the area found it to be too wet to plow and hay producers too wet to cure hay. But all are smiling because of the rains that have occurred here during the month of September. Since the 5th of the month, when most of the rain started, most of the cotton farmers had at least 95% of the crop out of the field. And since that time, we feel that there's only about 2% of the cotton remaining in fields here in the coastal bend. Although many locations have received between 5 to 7 inches, and uh, other locations over in the eastern part of New Isis and San Patricia County have reported up to 8 to 12 inches. There's been enough time gaps between rains to allow the late harvest to get wrapped up. September rains here have uh, really improved the grass production for our cattle farmers and our ranchers in the rangeland areas, as well as the hay producers who are looking for a very good fall hay crop. The cotton classing office over in Corpus Christi has been one of the busiest locations in the area. Last week, they had 129,645 bale samples that they classified. They came from some 40 gins across south and central Texas, and uh, this season they've produced over 582,000 bales that have gone through the facility and been graded here in Corpus Christi. And as mentioned, cattle have ample grazing, so they're going into the fall months in very good condition, and producers with late summer calves are having some very good weaning weights coming off the pasture land. As the month wraps up, I think our cotton farmers certainly feel fortunate to have had a very good yielding crop after a very dry and difficult start to this season. Reporting from the Coastal Bend area, this has been Harvey Buring. The first presidential debate is tomorrow, but agriculture may or may not get much attention in that debate. Fortunately, there is a way to find out where the candidates stand on agriculture. Gary Joyner tells how. Presidential debates, campaign ads and rallies, and news conferences help us learn more about the two main candidates for U.S. president. For farmers and ranchers, it's never certain these formats will address specific issues important to agriculture. A presidential candidate questionnaire conducted by the American Farm Bureau Federation aims to help. For the past 40 years, Farm Bureau has asked presidential candidates to provide responses to issues likely to impact and affect farmers and ranchers and rural communities communities in the next four years. Both President Donald Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden have provided their answers. The responses are unedited and the responses are presented in the same style they were provided. There are 12 issue topics in the questionnaire. The topics range from food system resiliency to regulatory reform to rural life and health and other issues such as energy and biotechnology in between. Go to TexasFarmBureau.com to read all the answers. 
The questionnaire is unique. You can read directly from the candidates on their policy positions and direction for our country. That's valuable information as America's farmers and ranchers cast their ballot. I'm Gary Joyner, and this is your Texas Agriculture Minute. Grant funding is available to help some Texas landowners improve pollinator and quail habitat. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. And lots of folks bathe their horses frequently, especially if they're show horses. But is this really good for the horse? Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at that question coming up next on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. It is very common to give your horse a bath, especially if you have a show horse, but is this really good for the horse? Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at that question. Bathing your horses frequently can cause some skin issues for your horse. Dr. Lori Bidwell indicates in the horse publication that some show horses get bathed three times a day and put up in their stalls still damp. As far as bathing, removing dried sweat, dirt, and debris is necessary, especially after riding, because foreign material between the horse and the saddle can damage the skin, causing infection and pain. Grooming, even without bathing, can remove some of the debris. You may also find infections, parasites, tumors, cuts, and abrasions you might have otherwise overlooked. Soap does not need to be used when bathing, as soap itself is a chemical produced by mixing some sort of fat with a base to create a salt called saponification. However, lots of shampoos have other added ingredients that may or may not be good for the animal's coat because some of these can irritate the skin. Using these products sometimes is helpful to really clean the skin well, but overusing them can strip the skin of its normal, healthy microbial populations as well as natural oils and sebum. Skin infections can occur due to overwashing because the normal bacterial flora is removed by shampooing and can allow overgrowth of disease-causing bacteria. Drying the skin can also lead to itching and rubbing, which allows skin infection to occur. When you do bathe your horse, make sure and dry the coat as moisture alone can irritate the skin. Although bathing is a treatment for some skin problems, it can cause other skin issues. Bathing with a mild aloe and oatmeal soap-free shampoo is a good idea if frequent bathing is required. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Grant funding is available to help some Texas landowners improve pollinator and quail habitat. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. 
landowners and land managers in select counties who are interested in enhancing or improving grassland and grass-dominated shrubland for pollinators, scaled quail, northern bobwhite, and grassland birds may now apply for grant funding through the South Texas Grassland Restoration Incentive Program, or GRIP. The funding was announced earlier this month by the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Natural Resource Conservation Service in partnership with the Rio Grande Joint Venture. Jesus Franco, assistant coordinator for the Rio Grande Venture and American Bird Conservancy, says the program seeks to address population declines in select birds and pollinators. The way we do that is by providing funding to landowners as an incentive for them to conduct have their management practices on their properties. The goal of the program is to improve degraded native grasslands and grass-dominated shrublands in order to help provide habitat, improved habitat for different species of birds. And our target species includes northern bobwhite, scale quail, grassland birds in general, and of course pollinators, which depend on those grass-dominated habitats as well. Projects use mechanical and or chemical brush management, native range planting, prescribed fire, and prescribed grazing to achieve goals. Landowners provide in-kind services equal or exceeding the grant funding to ensure the success of the project. The best way that we figure this can work for the landowner and for the resources that we're trying to improve is to work as a team. That is Jesus Franco from the Rio Grande Venture and American Bird Conservancy. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. Well, we kicked off the Monday with a positive close in the cattle market. We'll take a look at all of our livestock, cotton, grain, and energy markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. And we're back looking at another lopsided matchup, Jim. Today we have a combine taking on a train. Yeah, that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine. No competition there. Right, especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train. That's 18 football fields. It's no contest. Every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The cattle futures market kicked off the week here on Monday with a positive close. We ended up closing higher on our nearby contracts in both live and feeder cattle. October live cattle up 37 today, closing at 107.95. December up 25, 111.65. February live cattle up 42. 115.02. October feeder cattle up 60 cents, 140.92. November feeders up 95 at 141.10. January up 32, 139.15. Looking at the cash markets, we'll start with fed cattle. Well, of course, a Monday. We typically don't see any sales on a Monday. That's what we saw today. We wrapped up last week selling cattle 105 on a live basis, 165 dressed. That's one to two dollars lower compared to the previous week. Feedlot's optimistic this week that they can squeeze another buck or two out of the market. We'll have to wait and see how the trade develops later in the week. Boxed beef prices lower, choice down a dollar sixty-seven to seventeen sixty-seven. Selects down fifty-eight at two oh six forty. Looking at a couple of feeder cattle auctions now, we'll go to Tri-County Livestock in New Summerfield, Texas. They sold on Saturday. The trend was steady. 
two to three weight steers brought a dollar fifteen to two dollars a pound. Three to four weight steers a dollar fifteen to a dollar ninety four. Four to five hundred pounders a dollar ten to a dollar seventy. Five to six weight steers a dollar five to a dollar forty eight. Six to seven hundred pounders a dollar five to a dollar twenty five. And the seven to eight weight steers, same price range, a dollar five to a dollar twenty-five. Slaughter cows, twenty to sixty-two cents. Slaughter bulls, seventy-five to ninety-four cents. Stocker cows brought five hundred to twelve hundred a head. Cow calf pairs, nine seventy-five to thirteen hundred a pair. Navasota Livestock Auction in Navasota, fourteen hundred seventy-six head sold on Saturday. The trend was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, a dollar to two oh five a pound. Three to four weights, a dollar to a dollar ninety-five. Four to five weight steers, a dollar to a dollar seventy a pound. Five to six weights, a dollar to a dollar fifty-two. Six to seven hundred pounders, ninety cents to a dollar thirty-five a pound. Slaughter cows, twenty to fifty-eight cents. Slaughter bulls, fifty to seventy-seven. Stocker cows, six hundred to twelve hundred a head. Now let's move back over to the board. We'll look at hog futures. We had a mixed close. The October contract up ninety-five cents, seventy-two seventy. December lean hogs down 40, 6402. October class 3 milk down 3 cents, 1885, 100 weight. The cotton market closed lower. We actually started out higher this morning, traded higher throughout midday, but ended up closing lower. The weather continuing to have an effect on this market, of course, with all the storms and rain that we've gotten over the last few weeks. But you follow that up with this week showing a 6 to 10 day forecast calling for below normal rainfall as well as below normal temperatures. So that's somewhat negative for the market. We ended up closing with the December contract down 26 points, 65, 69. March cotton down 28, 66.38. Kansas City wheat closing higher. December wheat up seven and a half, 482 and three quarters. New crop July wheat up seven and a quarter, 507 and a quarter. December corn up one and a half, 366 and three quarters. In the energy markets, October natural gas down five cents at 208. November crude oil up 31, 40.56 a barrel. And we'll wrap it up with the financial markets. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 410 at 27,584. The NASDAQ up 203, 11,117. The S&P 500 up 53 at 3,351. Well, that does wrap up the financial markets. That wraps up all the markets. And that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be right back here tomorrow with all the latest news in Texas agriculture. Be sure to check us out. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.